1: I know I'm a better coach in 20 than I was in 19 with him on the grass. When you heard the
2: news that you guys were going to get DeAndre Hopkins, you know, what went through your mind? I thought it was a joke.
1: Man, we got to do a better job of actually pulling the trigger and hiring, and that and that falls on those that hire.
3: We have to force Andy Dalton to beat us. It's episode four
2: of All Things Covered with Patrick Peterson and Brian McFadden, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. The name says it all. If you like what you hear, download and subscribe, and make sure you leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. You can also watch us on YouTube. Just visit youtube.com slash All Things Covered. Pat, what are we going to cover on this episode?
3: Today, we're going to cover our win versus the Jets, and also we have a very, very, very
2: special guest
3: and coach, Mike Tomlin, coming up.
2: time to chop it up chopping up is a segment me and pat get into other things outside of football if you guys didn't know we love basketball our favorite nba team is the lakers you see i got my laker fitted on right now rocking the lakers gear and if you've been living under a rock the lakers are the best team in the nba they just won the championship 17. Pat, you played on the East Coast. I don't know exactly how much of the game you saw because I know you were traveling back from New York uh, to Arizona. But what are your thoughts about Sunday night? Man, Mac, you know how how much of the game I saw Sunday? How much? Zero. So are, you what? had to re- a result to highlights.
3: Man, I was hurt, man. I'm calling everybody. The, the plane is not even on the ground yet. I'm calling everybody right now, man. What the score is we want. My boys like, yeah, man, it's over, man. We we killed them, boys. We won by 13, so it was uh it, it was a definitely a, a satisfying landing, knowing that uh we we capture our 17th championship. But watching that series, I told you it was gonna be tough, Matt. Yeah, you I told you did. it was gonna be tough. I said I I think I thought we would get it in six, and we did get it in six because just Heat was just a scrappy team, man. I I knew Jimmy Butler, he was gonna be in his bag, and they came to play. As well, they just needed, they just was out, out power. Thought they would, they would definitely, was good enough to at least win two games, and, and that they did. So, shout out to the Lakers and LeBron in and, and, and the game. Also,
2: getting, uh JR, you got a personal relationship with J.R. Smith, right?
3: Oh, yeah, yeah. I just about to say shout out to my boy JR Smith for getting his second one, man. I gotta get shirtless JR jr smith on the podcast for sure yeah
2: we got we got to get jr on the podcast but he might have to be shirtless because you know whenever he wear a championship he walks around with no shirt on for a few months so Mm -hmm. i think that's only appropriate pat you know you're not like most of these uh bandwagon fans you know you've been liking the lakers your entire life uh what what brought you to that team why is the lakers your favorite nba team
3: man i don't know i think my first time actually getting an opportunity to watch kobe um, like live and I think they played the Raptors. My first time I ever watching was like on a Sunday evening on ABC, like in the springtime. I can't remember like the exact time of the year, but I, I remember it being Sunday watching them on ABC playing Toronto. You know, him not having a great game. And the next time it was on to be a bad game, but he was just talking about the next opportunity that, you know, when he get out on the court, he's going to put work harder in the gym and those shots that he missed in that previous game. That's not going to happen again. So. Seeing the way he responded the the following game, coming back from those airballs, you know, and and, and becoming into the player that he is today, you know, just the you know the tenacity, the the rage, and you know just the the high basketball IQ that he that he brings to the to the game, it just I don't know, it just it was appealing to me, so. Ever since ninety eight, I was a I was a huge huge Kobe fan and a Lakers fan and and to this day I'm still a Lakers fan man so I'm I'm definitely not a bandwagon I've been a fan since I was eight years old.
2: No, you're a true you're a true fan man. My mm-hmm. uh my fandom with the Lakers I think started back in the mid eighties. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And you know at that time living in South Carolina we only had one TV in the house and uh, right. Uncle Roger used Showtime to control Lakers. the TV. Yeah, <laughs> so he used to control the TV. I was either watching sports or Star Trek. Um, i hated star trek by the way but shout out to star trek yeah but uh (laughs) growing up watching basketball you know when i was watching basketball as a youngster I started Mm -hmm. to uh gravitate to the Lakers because they made playing basketball fun. Granted, they had the nickname Showtime. You know what I mean? So when Magic was controlling uh the point, the way the way he handled the ball, the fancy no look passes, the alley oops, uh Byron Scott coming off the perimeter, uh uh James Worthy, man. I just I just love I love their style of play. So as a child it was fun watching them make Mm -hmm. other people look silly. Right? So sure. I was just like, yo, the Lakers, I just like the Lakers. And also too, the, the, the swag they played with because swag mm. wasn't a big emphasis on sports back in those days, right. but they had swag. You know what I mean? Anytime yeah. you watch a Laker game in the great Western form, you don't see nothing but the court. Everything right. else in the arena was dark until you got to the court and you yeah. see Jack Nicholson, you see the, the who's a, uh-huh. who there on, on, sitting on baseline court side. So yeah. I was like, man, that's that's the type of basketball I, I love and I want to cheer for. So mm-hmm. that's when I became a Laker fan. I just rode the wave. I mean, going back to your hometown favorite, Eddie Jones, when he was a part yeah, of the Lakers. Yeah, yeah. He was one of my, my favorite yeah. Lakers growing up. All right, now it's time for Cardinals check-in. Here's where we recap the Arizona Cardinals' uh, previous ball game, and that ball game was against the New York Jets there in New York. Yeah. Uh, the Cardinals were were victorious. 30 to 10, uh, leading up to that ball game though, Pat P, you know, I text you throughout the weekend, where you guys going to play, I think it was Saturday because we heard about the positive test and now, and in in actuality, that was a false positive, but were you afraid that the game potentially could get canceled or postponed? Not really. You know, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm,
3: I'm, I'm the type of guy that goes with the flow. If the game was going to be canceled, the game was going to be canceled. If we was playing the game, we was playing the game, you know? So, um, Everything was going as planned as uh, far as on night on, on our side. That's what the team was telling us leading up to the uh to the because uh, we left Friday mm-hmm. so leading up to the flight to the airport they said everything was planned. They said it was only one player uh hopefully no one else no one else on the team had uh had an attractive virus, and no one didn't so we ended up playing the game and getting a dub. And uh, it was a fun playing right back to the desert.
2: I bet it was. I bet it was. Unfortunately, you wasn't able to see the the Laker game, like you said earlier. But you guys won. And, of course, the Lakers won. So you had a great Sunday. A guy that, that actually balled out for the Arizona Cardinals uh, offensively was DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, six mm-hmm. receptions for 131 yards, one yeah. touchdown. Going back, we kind of spoke about Bill O'Brien. And uh, when he got fired and Bill O'Brien traded uh D-Hop to you guys. But, man, mm-hmm. And let's go back in time. When you heard the news that you guys were going to get DeAndre Hop- Hopkins, you know, what went through your mind? I thought it was a joke.
3: <laughs> I, I,
2: that's why I,
3: I did. Cause you know, you see so, so many of those <laughs> things that, um, you know, this player's been traded here. This player got picked up there. So I was like, man, this can't be real. Yeah. And when I saw it officially on the, uh, the Cardinals website and the Cardinals post, I was like, Oh, that's dope, man. We got a, we got an opportunity to be really good cause it's not, Many times that you can you have the opportunity to get the best one of the best receivers in the game, you know, if not the best receiver in the game, um, to add on to this young talented roster that we already have. So I was like, man, he could be the missing piece, you know. No question, honestly, you know, especially I mean, with your quarterback. He can, yeah, he can he can take the top off defenses, and he can. I, I believe he he he's the missing piece that can free up everybody else, and I, I believe he's been doing that, and um. You know, it's going to fall on Kyler to make sure that, you know, we, we, we try to play mistake free football, turnover free football and, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, efficient football and to where that, that, to where that when those, you know, areas are efficient, you know, we get W. So I was excited when I heard the news and he's been nothing but a great teammate since he got here. So. Sky's the limit for us, man. Uh,
2: I mean, no question. He's been a beast and fantasy owners who have him on their roster, they, they are smiling oh because he's been he putting up big time numbers. But Pat, everything wasn't all smiles and giggles, uh, throughout that victory against the Jets. You guys had a key player on the defensive side that got yeah. injured in Chandler Jones. And I've been saying this for quite some time. I think he's one of the more under, uh, undervalued defensive players in the National Football League. The last two sacks, all Chandler Jones has provided has been but 32 sacks he's been yeah. getting at the passer and, you know, not having him in the lineup could be a big loss, but what yeah. are you hearing about his injury and what does he mean to your, to your defense?
3: You honestly, I haven't heard anything about the injury. Yeah. I just, I just know it's a bicep injury. You know, I don't know if it's a tear or partially torn. I don't, I haven't got any information just yet, but you know, that's a big blow to this team because you know, this, you're talking about a guy that average a sack a game sacks don't fall off Trees, you know, you know, those are very, very hard to come out. We're talking about a, a guy that had 19 or something like that. Something crazy like that last year. Yeah. So, he had
2: one year he had 19. Um,
3: yeah. So, you know, it's, it's hard to replace a guy like that. You know, you're not going to find, you know, a guy like that sitting on the couch, you know, so it's going to be a big blow for sure. Now we just got to rush by committee. You know, we have to, we have to find a way. To rush by committee, you know, find ways to open other guys up and, and just be effective that way. I mean, honestly, we, we have no choice now. You know how it is. You know, like coach Mike T talked about, you know, um, we can't, we can't be in the, what do you say? We can't be in the, uh, the label pain. We got to be in, in the business of making babies. So delivering them, <laughs> delivering babies. So we can't be complaining about or making excuses about the guys that we lost. We have to find ways to, to uh, replace them in the, in the best manner that we can.
2: Well, you guys gonna find out extremely soon because week six, you travel to Dallas. Yeah. Where everything is big in the state uh, of Texas, right? Monday night football, the first Monday night football, uh, action, game action for the Arizona Cardinals. You're Mm -hmm. playing against a very, very potent offense, right? The number one passing offense in the National Football League currently, uh, roughly exactly 1,978 yards through the air, completing 68% of their passes on all passing opportunities but they will be without their star quarterback in that prescott an ugly yep. injury that occurred against the new york giants but they got a veteran who's going to take the snaps from under center and andy dalton the potential mm-hmm. matchups that you guys will face in this ball game is going to be Extremely intense to watch. You know, they got three wide yep. receivers that are really good. You know, you got yep. a outstanding quarterback. I mean, running back and then a experienced serviceable quarterback. You know, yep. the matchup against your defense for you guys is what? What do you guys need to do to have success against the Cowboys offense?
3: Run, stop the run. We <laughs> yep. definitely got to stop the run and, and, and force, not saying that he can't do it, but you know, we have to force Andy Dalton to beat us. Do we, we feel. If you take the ball out of Ezekiel's, Elliott's hands, you know, there's more opportunities for bad things to happen when the ball is in the air versus the ball is getting carried, you know. So, um, Andy Darton is definitely a, a very, very serviceable backup, quality, quality backup. I mean, I think I saw a crazy stat. Andy has like 31,000 passing yards.
1: No question. He's been putting a lot of mean
3: Yeah. It's not many backup that. And it, technically he's not a backup. He could be a starter in this league. Exactly. I mean, he was a starter in this league, you know, so and he got starter numbers. So to have a guy, a starter as your backup, I mean, that's, that's huge. And, and I believe coach Mike McCarthy, uh, coach Mike McCarthy did the right thing by going out and getting a veteran quarterback, you know, just in case something like this, um, did occur. But that was a nasty injury you know, to see my man, Dad Prescott go, go out like that on a, on a contract year. And then, um, you know, just talking about on the plane, you know, Wonder why ball players ask for what they ask for because, you know, your body is on the line each and every time you step out on the field and the game can be taken from, from you at any given moment. You know, we got yeah. probably one of the most gruesome, gruesome games that, that, that's ever been played. We have to feel like we freaking begging for, you know, crumbs, you know, in, in a sense, you know, because, um, you know, other people don't view, you know, our, I guess our worth or our body in, in a certain way. So now you wonder why, you know, superstars and, and player that, players that feel that they're worthy of what they're asking for, ask for what they ask for because you have to get what you can in a short amount of time.
2: Yeah. Last question for you, Pat. Uh, Cardinals check in. We're talking about the upcoming matchup with the Dallas Cowboys on Monday night mm-hmm. football. Arizona will travel to Dallas, uh, for that big time NFC matchup. Have you ever picked off Andy Dalton before?
3: Hmm. Nope.
2: So you Money, never inter- intercepted uh, Andy Dalton?
3: Not that I can think of.
2: I mean, um, I know you done picked off a whole lot of quarterbacks, so you really got to yeah. think. But I, I know, I know your career real well, and I don't think you ever picked off Andy Dalton. I don't, I don't think so either. Well, I don't think so either, Matt. Well, well, you know what that means? I mean, Monday's the first, Monday first go round. No question. No question. It's only right. It's only right you pick him off. But it's even righter that you do it Monday night exactly yeah it's only right that you do it monday night so i just want to put that little bug in uh in your window so you can see it and knock that bug off when they get chance when you get chance to so make sure we go ahead and get that first interception on andy dalton i think that'd be big and then of course we can recap that on next week's show here on all things covered
3: which is going to be released on wednesday
2: no, no question yeah I forgot, I forgot yeah Wednesday because we're going to record Tuesday with Pat P uh, after their victory against the Cowboys and we're going to drop this mm-hmm. outstanding episode next week episode on Wednesday morning so make sure after you stay I hold tuned. it high for
3: my boy prime time
2: hold it high yeah. Yeah, you got to give us a right. dance in, 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 in Dion's
3: house yes sir everybody can
2: see it It's halftime now for me and Pat, all things covered. But after this halftime opportunity,
4: we will come back with our special guest, Mike Tomlin.
0: For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's Lifetime Membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash rs10 today.
2: Now we're back from break. And like we said earlier in the show, we promised you guys an outstanding, amazing guest. He's currently in the show with us right now. 14 seasons. As the head coach of the best organization in the National Football League, the Pittsburgh Steelers, a Super Bowl champion, never finished below 500 in any coaching season. That's consistency at his finest. Currently, uh, his team is 4-0. and The Pittsburgh Steelers head coach, Mike Tomlins joining us here on All Things Covered. Coach T, man, we appreciate you joining us. How's everything going?
1: Man, I'm blessed every day. B-Mac, man, it is just great to be on with you, man. One of the great pleasures of having this job as long as I've had it, man, is the Work with dudes like you, man, and see them succeed not only in football but in life. And so it's just really cool to be with you, man, and to see you excelling in your next space, man.
2: I appreciate it. Coach, you know, used to tell us all the time the standard is the standard, right? It, and it does not change. <laughs> no question. No question, man. The standard is the standard, man. Pat P, man. Coach T used to give us some, some, some Tomlin isms. We'll get into that a little later, uh, but man, Coach T, man, he found, he, he know how to get you fired up at any given time. Right now you got your, you got your guys fired up, Coach T. Uh, y'all four and no, a great start out. I think the Steelers haven't, they haven't been four and no since 1979. And that said, yeah, I think they won the Super Bowl. So hopefully that trend will continue, but talk about, What's the biggest reason for the 4-0 start
1: this year? You know, there's a selflessness about this group, and I think that helps you in those sticky circumstances. You know, we, we, we've we got some dominant players, and, 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 and we've got units that are capable of dominating the games. Um, but the significant thing is they support one another when the chips are down, and I think that that's starting to reveal itself. You know, we weren't able to get off last week on third down defensively, but the offense, Uh, was able to maintain possession of the ball. And so we were able to get out of the stadium with the win. And I think you got to have a well-balanced team across all three phases to walk the journey. And uh, we appear that we have enough strength in all three phases to do that. And there's an unselfishness, unselfishness in the group that doesn't allow them to get down in the face of adversity. Man, they've been really good in supporting one another.
2: Talking about adversity, I mean, your star quarterback faced a lot of adversity last year, missing basically the entire season. But now he's back in that uniform. He's looking comfortable. Three touchdowns this past Sunday. Uh, he now has a total of 10 touchdowns and one interception on the year. He's 38, coach, but he's looking like he can still go. How much longer do you think Big Ben
1: will play? I don't know, man, but I know I'm a better coach in 20 than I was in 19 with him on the grass. <laughs> you know, Um <laughs> I'm appreciating having him back, man. You know, I'm a small picture guy. You know, we're not looking past this journey that we're on, man. He's got great health and physical condition. He's not knocking the rust off, man, with each appearance. And so, man, he's finding his stride, man. And so are we. And
3: hey coach, man, I must say, I, I, I admire you from afar for for many, many years since B-Mac been playing with you guys uh, since I've been in high school and obviously watching your career grow as uh, my career grow in the NFL. But what you've been a defensive minded coach and coming from the Minnesota, uh, defensive, uh, uh staff back in the day. What is the best defense you
1: coached? Wow. Um, man, you know, it, it's been, it's been different. And, and, and what I mean is, and, and that's the cool thing about being in this league for 20 years. Now I have the perspective of that. I think defenses dominate in different ways, man. Mm-hmm. Some of the early defenses that I had here in Pittsburgh, like the 08, Super Bowl champion defense that B Mac was a part of. Man, that was a kick-ass defense. Meaning right. that, yeah. you know, we were gonna win the line of scrimmage and beat you up and and win by attrition that way. Some of the mm-hmm. defenses out that I, I happen to be a secondary coach for uh down in Tampa, and we won a world championship, man. Uh we were athletes, man. We created turnovers. We got after the passer. We didn't necessarily beat you up physically, but we won. We won by making making splash plays. And so mm-hmm. it's really tough to distinguish which which one is more effective because we had great players, Hall of Fame players, who were built differently, and we constructed the defenses to fit their skill set. You know, mm-hmm. we had Derek Brooks down in Tampa, man, and that guy was a gazelle. He looked like the animal that he hunted. He was like the right. feature running backs, man. He'd come out of games with with the ball in his hand just about every right. week. And, mm-hmm. and and in Pittsburgh, man, we had dominant outside linebackers, man, like James Harrison and Lamar Woodley that absolutely beat you up. And so the the right. means that they go about dominating dominating games was so different, it's tough to distinguish. But I've learned to have an appreciation for both. One thing I do know, you know when you with one. You know oh, yeah. you, a, <laughs> you know when you with a dominant group, you oh, know no when you with a it. defensive group that's got the goods. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, I think that's what's exciting about the group that we're working with right now is really mm-hmm. early in the journey, but they're showing signs of the type of group that could be the type of group that's got the goods.
3: Well, with you having 20 plus years experience in this league, I know this might be tough now. Give me your top three best defensive players.
2: Players? Yeah. Wow. That you coach, coach, either as a head coach or, or, an or assistant.
1: assistant. Hey, uh Troy and Brooks <laughs> <laughs> Troy and Brooks and 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 then I might, you know, and then it gets tough, man. I might have to go with Warren Sapp, man, 99. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. You
3: know,
1: but you talking Troy and Brooks, you talking about first ballot Hall of Famers, you talking right. Warren Sapp, you're talking about a second ballot hall of famer. Right. So, you know, it's tough to, to argue against uh some of those guys, man. Just the, the routine freakish things that I saw from those guys. The years mm-hmm. that I work with them, uh, really make them a cut above. And that's the reason why they wear the gold jackets and, and the right. manner in which they wear the gold jackets in terms of early enshrinement. So right. coach
2: Troy will be one, Derek Brooks two and Warren Sapp three. That's the ranking.
1: I, I didn't say that. Oh, you, okay. I was I, I just, just trying to put you
2: on the spot a little bit. I was trying to, I was trying to see if you, if you paying attention.
1: Hey, I'll take the one you don't take. How about
2: that, B-Mac? I like that. Hey, Coach, I definitely like that. I'll try to put you on the spot see when you get a ranking, but I like what you're doing. That's fair. That's fair. Now, with defensive players, you've been around some of the iconic defensive players you've been around. You've been around a lot of offensive guys, too. But one position the Steelers have been known to really hit on year in and year out has been wide receivers. I think the last wide receiver to be selected by the Pittsburgh Steelers was Santonio. And I think it was in 2006, if I'm not mistaken. But outside of that, you guys have been able to hit on wide receivers in the late round yeah. and they cash in big time. Talk about what, what has been the, 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 the main ingredient for the success at wide receivers when you look at drafting guys like, uh, Mike Wallace, uh, Antonio Brown, Emmanuel Sanders, Deontay Johnson, uh, Martavius mm-hmm. Bryant, um, Juju Smith Schuster, and now you got a new toy in Clay's Chu, mm-hmm. man. What so what has been the main ingredient in being able to hit on these guys?
1: I think the most significant thing first is just there's so many of them out there. Um, there's so much spread football in college, man. If you just open your open your mind up to evaluating all the types of guys that are available, you know, you got the slots from the spread offenses, you got the X's that work backside of trips in some mm-hmm. of the three by one offenses, you got the outside winners. They're outside man-to-man route winners and things of that nature. We've always taken approach that we, we you know, we, we don't make judgments based on the type of offenses that they're in. We just look at their skills. And so first and foremost, we're interested in football players first, man. Guys that show a certain toughness that goes above and beyond the position or a certain competitive spirit that goes above and beyond the position. Case in point, you were teammates of a, a number of those guys, man. Very rarely will you find a speed guy that's a deep, th- a deep threat that's as physically tough as Mike Wallace. Yeah. You know, he was a speed guy that was no punk, that was a tough guy, that didn't back down from physical confrontations. He was 200 pounds, etc. cetera. Um, mm-hmm. e- Emmanuel Sanders and A.B. were 180-pounders were, were who were uniquely tough and competitive for 180-pounders. They, mm-hmm. they were wiry strong. They, they didn't turn down competition. And I think that that's the things that, that are most important to us, that they're football players first, and that has to be revealed to us in a certain way, and we and, and we don't care by what way it, it reveals itself. We fell in love with Claypool by the way he sunk his teeth into the, the special teams combat down in Mobile at the Senior Bowl. This guy was special teams MVP, I think, at Notre Dame uh, his second year in school there. So he mm-hmm. showed football awareness and things that were outside the wide receiver position. And for us, we believe that that's a good indicator that you got a football player and then they're going to do the things that the wide receiver position required it, it to me, Heinz Ward is a nice blueprint for that, right? That no dude was a wide receiver, but he was so much more. Yeah. And, right. and, and, and that's kind of a standard bearer for us. We're looking for football players, who happened to play wide receiver and Hines is just a good blueprint for that man. A guy that I just appreciated on that level and really have modeled the evaluation and selection of others just based on that principle alone.
2: Well, coach T man, I shared many Tomlin isms on air. You know, you come up with a lot of Tomlin isms. I don't know if that's a thing now, but we need to get some t-shirts made Tomlin isms. So, I said some of some of your Tomlin isms on air before, such as it's a five-star mm-hmm. matchup because we're in it. I remember that was our <laughs> 08 season. The standard is the standard. And yesterday, uh after Sunday's ball game, you said the strength of the pack is the pack. Where do you come up with these? And do you have a favorite?
1: Man, um, you know, I'm always trying to find ways to deliver a message and and in and, and a way that's maybe catchy or captures your attention and, and things that I can remember so that I can repeat over time. I think part of being a good communicator is acknowledging that people are kind of poor listeners, so you better do some things to stimulate them, and you better be willing to repeat it. And so, you know, like you speak to, it's a five-star matchup because we're in it. Because I wanted you guys to know, man, don't get caught up in in the elevator music. Man, every time we step in a stadium, it's a potential for a five-star matchup. The nameless great faces that we play are if we're on our game and so I wanted you guys to focus in on our prep and our play and I knew that we were going to be in some big battles in an effort to get where we needed to be so that was just a means of taking your attention off of whoever it is that we happen to be playing and mm-hmm. and, and really get the group to focus on the Wednesdays that I, I would say that because I would always say it on the Wednesdays yep yep and it would get the week started and, and it was a way of getting the trajectory of the week started in terms of us focusing on our work. And really it's the same for all of them. For me, um, I love the standard is the standard. Um, that's probably my favorite because, you know, we're not in an excuse making business. And if we're not careful, man, we'll spend a bunch of time making excuses, talking about who's available to us and who's not um, the lack of fluidity and schedules, maybe because of pandemic circumstances, et cetera, et cetera. The bottom line is, man, we all got challenges, meaning all 32 of us. And so, Mm -hmm. man, you just proceed with that understanding and you don't waste a whole lot of time talking about your misery. You just find ways to overcome it because that guy on the other side has got the same issues. We like to pretend like they don't, but they do. And so, Mm -hmm. man, we don't want to make excuses. There's a standard of expectation in Pittsburgh, and that standard is winning. And if you wear the black and gold, man, and you run out of that tunnel man you you assume those responsibilities.
3: Well coach speaking about those uh those other 32 teams uh we know you had a, a opportunity to you know opportunity at the Dolphin job. Can you tell us a little bit how life would be different if you would have took the Dolphin job over the Steelers. <laughs> <laughs> hey
1: um man I don't know man I you know I don't plan on failure so I, I don't, I don't know that the journey would be that different. <laughs> you know, um, I like it. I, 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 like I tell it. you what, uh, my kids would probably live a different lifestyle in South Florida, man. I, I had two boys, man, that are college football players that probably would have loved to grow up in South Florida running with two <laughs> dogs down there <laughs> and playing sports. You know, they got much respect for that South Florida. Uh, athletics and the way it gets done down there, man, just my personal life, you know, the lifestyle, mm-hmm. uh, um, more than anything, man. Uh, I worked in Tampa for five or six years, man. I do pool parties and stuff during the holiday season and things of that yeah. nature. So it's a different quality of life in terms of the job. I refuse to acknowledge that I can see it any way different, mm-hmm. any, okay. any, any differently. Uh, right. I punch the clock and I keep my, my head down and hard working. And I think that that. That That's the, the secret of longevity and, and, and getting what you're hunting. And, and so, right. you know, from a football standpoint, I don't know that it would be different.
2: Yeah. Well, I can tell you this much. Dolphin fans – clearly feel, feel, they feel like at that time they should have went your direction instead of, I think Cam Cameron was the guy they decided yeah, to hire Cameron. over you. But, yeah, you know, seven. Pittsburgh, we're not complaining. We we did some big things, and you're still doing some big things. But now with the Miami Dolphins, uh, Brian Flores is the head coach. He's a minority, right? And you look at the lack of minority coaches in the National Football League. Why are there so few black minority head coaches in the NFL?
1: And the bottom line, we could we could spend a lot of time, you know, talking about the reasons why, um, you know, the identification of worthy candidates, um, the pathway through to elevation and all of those things. And all of those things are legitimate arguments. But those arguments have been ongoing and and, and those procedures are underway and have mm-hmm. been underway. The bottom line is those that are in position to hire man aren't aren't hiring them at the rate that we're all comfortable with. And, mm-hmm. and, 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 that's the reality of it. I don't know that anybody stands opposed to minority hiring, but when jobs are available, minorities are not getting hired. And, and right. so, you know, that's what we have to address. It, it, it doesn't appear to be attitudes. It doesn't appear to be, you know, pathways and symposiums and, 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 and development and things of that nature. Man, I've been involved in those type things formally and informally for 20 years since I've been in the league, uh, whether it was myself and getting an opportunity To participate in it, or or being a a, someone that mentors and and helps out and 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 aids in the development of others, those things have been ongoing. The bottom line is, man, we got to do a better job of actually pulling the trigger and hiring, and that and that falls on those that hire.
2: Well, in the off season, the league considered incentivizing minority hires with draft pick compensations. What made that the incorrect solution?
1: You know, it's somewhat insulting on some levels, man, and I think a lot of people, particularly some veteran guys that I admire, like Tony Dungey and Marvin Lewis, express that, and I agree with them. Um, and, and But at the same time, man, um, the rate of hiring is an embarrassment as well. And so mm-hmm. for me, I'm open to any and all conversations. Um I don't necessarily know that that is the solution, but I didn't stand strongly against it because I am just interested in any dialogue that will generate – an improvement in the hiring. And so uh, I'm all ears, uh, particularly I'm all ears as it pertains to the words and and thoughts and feelings of those that hire the ownership and their perspective on the matter, uh, because the bottom line is, man, we got to do better than what we're doing right now in 2020.
2: Do you feel, Coach, that minority coaches, they have more pressure uh, in front of them when it comes to being a head coach for a national football organization compared to other coaches?
1: Uh, i definitely believe that there's some challenges that that we as minorities face that 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 our peers do not um mm-hmm. but you know that's life man i'm sure that you know c level executives across all walks of life from a minority standpoint share similar experiences and adaptations and and so forth uh, i don't spend a lot of time you know talking about the labor pains man i just try to deliver the baby and I've tried <laughs> and, and to do it in such a way that it makes it easier for the next doctor no hey, matter right. who she yeah. or she may be, you know what I mean? Hey, Coach T, we <laughs> might have to add that one to your Tomlinson, right? Like that. I don't care too I'm much, much about the
2: labor, labor pain. I just want to deliver the baby. I like that one, yes, Coach. Sir. I might like steal yes, that sir.
1: one. Yeah, I just want to give you a little beat. something tonight, B. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: Hey coach, uh, we know you got a, a, a hectic schedule. This is my last one for you. Uh, what is your message during this time with the election approaching? It, it,
1: the one of the things that I've really been interested in, man, is opinions. Everybody has them and so forth and positions, political. Uh, it's cool to watch, uh, younger people be engaged and have a political opinion. Um, but opinions are one thing, man. Actions another. And, right. and so, you know, I've, I've really been impressed. I, by the actions of individuals and collectives in the midst of the current political climate. Uh, not only just in terms of voting, man, but encouraging others to be active participants in gathering information and engaging in the political process. Um, I think it's cool, man. I think that your generation, to be quite frank, is more engaged in that than, than mine. And, mm-hmm. and so as a guy that's looking at it with 48-year-old eyes and has sons that are 18 and 19, man, I'm proud of that generation. And what they're doing and the manner in which they're going about doing it, their utilization of technology as a platform of empowerment, social media and, and having the ability to express themselves, man, of things that mm-hmm. we didn't have. And, and so you, you see it really just moving in a lot of positive ways. Think about the VMAC, think about the voice that the college football player has today that you and I yep. didn't have because of what social media and, and having an opportunity to represent themselves and their thoughts and feelings provides them. Now there's right. responsibility that comes with that and they can't be reckless, but boy, what an awesome opportunity. And the way that it is being utilized right now, man, is an mm-hmm. encouragement to me and exciting to me. And it's cool to fall in line and, 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 and follow behind some young dynamic leaders, man, that, that our society ha- has to offer, particularly in the athletic world.
2: Well, you know, speaking of leaders, coach, you're a great leader, a great man, and you continue to keep chopping wood, man. And we appreciate you joining us here on all things yes, covered, sir. man. Me and Pat P man, we, Pat know about you and you've been known about Pat since uh, his high school days. So we all feel like we're family right now, but we know you're busy, man. Hey, we know you're busy, man. (laughs) Keep chopping wood. You got a big ball game coming up this weekend, man. And you know what, coach? I'm I'm pretty sure when the folks in Pittsburgh, you know, see this or hear this, they're going to get some shirts made Tomlin isms, man. So go ahead and and, and let's print the (laughs) t-shirts. Man.
1: Hey, I, I, I respect and appreciate you guys, man. It's cool to see that you guys are, are still tight and still holding it down, man, as yes, life sir. progresses, man. All the best to you, Pat P. Uh as you to coach. do what it is that you do. And B Mac, you know where I am. You can always holler at me, man. still for life.
2: I appreciate the standard is the standard. You know about yes, brother. Sir. Yes, sir. Hi coach. Yo, Pat, what are some of the things you learned through our conversation with Mike T?
3: Man, Mike T, one, is a great communicator. No question. And it's two great. It seems, and I haven't really been around coach, you know, like personally, but it seems like coach is a man's man, if you know what I mean.
2: No question. I mean, he doesn't hold any punches. He give it to you straight. Uh, that's why, you know, he has so much respect, uh, Mm -hmm. throughout the league and throughout his life because, you know, you respect people who handle you as such. And, uh, and like you said, he's a great communicator. I've been around Mm -hmm. a lot of, Quality iconic coaches in my life, right? And mm-hmm. I think when it comes to communicating and motivating, some of the things he says is like, "Wow, really?" Right. You know, I can, I mean? can tell. And, and it's you funny know, for deep. me hearing that he was basically using his Tomlinisms on Wednesdays because Pat, you know, Wednesday is usually the the hard grind day right. for us.
3: Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. That's the hardest yeah, day of the week. Mind right?
2: Yeah, you got to get your mind right, and and every Wednesday not makes sense. We would be in our team meeting. And he'll come up with something, you know what I mean? Say something to us that would register to us mentally. And then it would transition throughout our entire body. And we go out on mm-hmm. Wednesday, regardless of what month it is, could be a November late in the season, you know, January, we're going to give it out all. And it makes sense right. because he was finding ways to motivate us uh, uh, verbally. And the results were seeing quality practice reps uh, right. on the football field.
3: Man, that's awesome, man. Nah, Mike, Mike, Mike T. He definitely, he definitely got it going on, and and like I told him, it's I admire watching him from afar, not having the opportunity to, like I said, be around. But for for a guy that consistently, you know, is over 500 with his quarterback not being with him, you know, 70% of the time, no matter who's out there playing for him, his team is going to be well prepared uh, every time they suit up to play a football game for sure. Thank you, everyone, for listening to our fourth episode of All Things Covered. If you like what you hear, make sure you subscribe and follow and leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. And we'll be back next Wednesday, where you can expect all things will be covered. Peace. Peace.
5: Hey, everyone. This is Jimmy Conrad, your favorite former U.S. Men's National Team player and the host of the Call It What You Want podcast, And I'm here to tell you that Viore is a versatile clothing brand that speaks my language. It's inspired from the coastal California lifestyle, just like me. Its products stand the test of time.